0: A bus. I want to be a boss, I want to be a big boss, I want to bust the world around, I want to be the biggest boss that ever bust the world around. I want to do it right, I want to do it right away, I want to do it right now, I want to do it right away, I want to do it now. Well, hello. Yeah,
1: sure. Hello. Hello.
2: And welcome to Shaking the Spear. It's It's been a... A podcast about the life and work of one of the most important figures in the British stage. I refer of course to Surrey McKellen. <laughs>
1: uh it has <laughs> it has been a while, but like Alvin and the Chipmunks. It sure has. It has been a while, but like Alvin and the Chipmunks, we are back in style.
0: No. Uh, I'm leaving. I'm done. No. Indeed. Uh
1: this Alvin and the
0: Chipmunks me. <laughs>
1: Uh,
2: I well, we. I just want to mention. I just remembered that their. I stole that um, from another podcast. Their agent is called Mr. Savile. Oh, oh no! I feel like that's somehow significant. Oh, no! <laughs>
3: oh, that's, oh. Uh,
1: <laughs> how could you say this about an Armenian American hero? But anyway.
0: Speaking about <laughs> speaking about children being abused.
1: Richard Alvin the and staff. the
2: Chipmunks were on the last helicopter out of Stepanakert. <laughs>
1: I'm serious. Uh, Dave Seville was an Armenian-American hero. But anyway, um, speaking of Armenian-American heroes, we have our very first guest today. And he's I... neither... Indeed we
0: do. Noted Armenian-American.
2: <laughs> actually,
1: neither of those things. How is... dare you
0: call me an American? You're here for my lawyer. Uh,
1: I, which is Olivia. We have
0: our first actual British person. I mean, don't call me well, British. It's only on technicality
1: would you would you kindly introduce maybe you should introduce yourself in this yeah show. because we've not been doing a great job have we yeah. well
0: hi everyone <laughs> i'm john uh i'm a history student i read a lot i also do other podcasts um i quit star trek where we talk about star trek and how terrible it can be um i also create other content um
1: it's very sometimes good. i
0: ship posts. But mainly, but I mainly am here to talk about Richard the Third Day, or specifically the Ian McKellen adaption that goes extremely hard
1: about the Jack, 1930s. Everyone, would you mind telling us... Yeah. Would you mind telling us... We'll get to that, I would think. Would you mind telling us briefly about some of your early experiences with Shakespeare, if you can recall? Would um would be yes. wonderful to hear.
0: Uh, the first time I saw Shakespeare live, my mother took me to a performance of Macbeth with James McAvoy. And we sat in the front row, and it was a post-apocalyptic version of Macbeth, where James McAvoy played Macbeth. And sitting in that front row, watching James McAvoy strut around stage, I suddenly realized that I might not be
3: straight. (laughs) (laughs) So that was my first encounter with
0: Shakespeare. Was James McAvoy giving me a gay awakening at the front row of... The
1: Westminster Theatre, I think. Did you, bl- Did you get any Did you get
0: any
1: Yes, that's the He was that's spitting surreal. a lot
0: that day. He spat on
1: us. We haven't got a full n- James McAvoy spread. It is not first of all, cloning potential. Second of all uh,
2: Yeah, I have to say, uh, not- James McAvoy's spit turned me gay does sound like a chuck-tingle movie. <laughs>
1: um, I will It wasn't really the spit, it was more the beard. Um, for what it is worth, while not COVID safe, uh, spitting in the fi- or, excuse, <laughs> spitting in the firing line, sitting in the firing line, is a sign of a good production and good seats, man. But yeah, it you, was. You, um, you want to get spat upon? Absolutely. I think that
0: was my first encounter with Shakespeare, and then we did *The better Get* at school and watched Patrick Stewart version, and I like then I one. have a hyper fixation on, so sort of like. It's four years ago on both the Kenneth Branner for Henry V and the Richard the with McKellen
1: yeah that tracks for you
0: yeah because um I don't know the Henry
1: V if someone made Branagh, a, if someone fun. made a Henry V that was like World War II aesthetic I don't think we would ever be able to reclaim you
0: well actually I know this is the time <laughs> of hundred but Henry V with a World War II aesthetic would work. Absolutely, it would work if you, but you'd have to. You'd have to replace. It'd be
1: unfair to the French. <laughs>
0: It'd be unfair to the French, but you would be placing Henry as less of a king. He would be a Churchill figure thrust into power at a time of mm. jeopardy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe so.
2: it would work.
1: So, so um, Richard the Third. This is a play. Yeah, this is a play. We're going
2: to talk about Richard the Third. I I did think. Before we got to that... Oh, of course. Uh, I, I would very briefly mention that... Uh, uh, one of my... I don't want to say early encounters with Mother Shakespeare, but one of my most prominent ones, uh, the novel Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel, uh, is now that. a miniseries on HBO. Really? Huh. And I have watched... All five episodes that are out so far, and I think I can recommend it. Interesting. Uh, it is, of course, a book about uh, a global pandemic that nearly wipes out humanity. So um, maybe it's not for everyone in the current situation. G, but...
0: Really? <laughs>
2: <G>. <laughs> yeah. It starts with uh, an actor dying on stage while playing King Lear.
1: Um, that was oh, fucking cool. That actually has happened before. And, uh, that just sounds
0: the like bulk strong, of the story. That's kind of Georgian theatre energy.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. In
0: the sense
2: of yeah, 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 yeah. everything
0: being complete nonsense. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: And uh, the the main storyline in the quote-unquote present day, which is about twenty years after the the disease apocalypse, uh, is about a travelling theatre company who goes from town to town staging Shakespeare plays. Well,
3: that's
1: fun. Uh, may i say my post-apocalyptic um career plan
2: no i'm your role in the commune i'm no. quite clearly, no, tanted, my I'm role quite the clearly a
0: Leibovitz. like i'm just gonna take all the books i own go into a mountain and found a monastic order where everybody dresses like they're in the raf in the 40s so true dude. <laughs> like instead of being called like abbots or chadley's it's you know group captains and flight <laughs> and we're protecting I love them. It. I That's what I'm. Yeah, and
2: this carries on even after everyone has forgotten what an airplane is. Yeah, no,
0: no, no. We we know what airplanes are. We have don't ask, but somehow we have working spitfires. Of course, it's like it's like the shape of of things to come, but gayer.
1: So speaking speaking of of spitfires, I was going to say the exact same thing.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, indeed. Yes,
1: indeed. So, yeah. Richard III. So, Richard III, I have some notes about its history, some interesting things here. Yeah. Um, so, the first and most obvious source for the play of Richard III is the fact that there was, in fact, a historical king called Richard III. <laughs> yes. I remember
2: they, uh, they dug out his body a few years ago. They did. Ex- My
0: ex-girlfriend lives in Leicestershire. And she used to get violin lessons at the Place where the car park where they found Richard the Third.
1: Oh, I love it. And her mum yeah. used well, to park fun on fact. top
0: of Richard the <laughs> <clears> Third.
2: <throat> fun fact. Fact two. Uh, there's a famous bit in uh, in Yes Minister where they claim that the M1 originally stopped in the middle of Leicestershire so civil servants could go and hunt. Uh, in actual fact, it was built that way so that. Uh, Ian McKellen's Richard III could get to Bosworth Field.
3: <laughs> well, to be fair, Ian
2: McKellen's
0: it. Richard III took the train, like a good fascist leader does, and he watched
1: news around. That is true. He like took the lot. train.
0: He took the train from London um, to Battersea Power Station, which is also in London. Which is Should be
1: brief? Odd place yeah. to have your I final I
0: have a battle. lot of fun facts about this production because I, mean, I was sitting next to my dad when I watched it, and he kept going, "Oh, that's there. That's there." So I have—I can tell you everything. <laughs> in This production is filmed.
1: Well, okay. So, vis-a-vis yeah, yeah. the historical Richard III, on whose bones many—actually, many maybe we have should
2: part. mention just very quickly, um, for those of our viewers who or listeners, I should say, who only have a, a surface-level acquaintance with the works of Shakespeare. Oh no!
1: Um, I forgot they existed. What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: People such as me six months ago. People such as um, me
0: now, currently. Yeah,
2: no. Um, so we've been um, the the plays of William Shakespeare are divided in uh, the First Folio, which was the collection of plays that were published after his death, sixteen twenty-three. Uh, into baby. three basic categories: uh, tragedies, comedies, and histories. 22. And. This is the first of, this is the first history play we have discussed. It is. And which is annoying um,
1: because chronologically it is in fact the second latest.
2: Yeah. so this is a bit of a strange categorization, I think, because as we mentioned uh, when we did Macbeth, that is extremely loosely but still based on historical characters, and um, Shakespeare's Roman plays are also uh, sorted as tragedies. Yes! Um, so, th- when we talk about the history plays, we're really um, dealing with specifically genre... the plays he wrote about English history. Um, and...
1: Jack, the reason is that genre was extremely nebulous in the uh, um, Jacobean period, and even more so in the Caroline period. Uh, and they didn't give a fucking shit. That's the answer, <laughs> I guess. Does yeah. is there also a sense in which the histories
0: are more in the sense in which a lot of them are part of the long term project of legitimizing the Tudor and the Tudor succession?
1: That is certainly That's... the because considering
0: reading. how you know the run yeah. of the Wars of the Roses saga from you know Henry Force, Fist Six Edward Sixth. and Richard, and then yeah. Henry VII, yeah. Henry VIII. How it is about legitimizing the Tudors as a dynasty, as opposed to their York that's success.
1: absolutely part of it. And yeah, play... we did mention uh,
2: the the Elizabethan propaganda machine in a previous episode, and this play is definitely some ideology. Oh, yeah, I mean,
0: yeah but and it's I suppose <clears throat> its popularity definitely. Listen, all I thought about really watching it and then reading about it is that the Victorians must have fucking loved this. Because Richard the Third doesn't just, <laughs> just seat Catholic degeneracy if you're a Victorian or Georgian. Yeah. Georgian member of the like Catholic ascendancy. Richard the Third being a scummy fucker, it's like Yes. It's what you want. <laughs> <laughs> he
2: openly calls himself. Subtle and
0: treacherous
1: in the text yeah, it's of like the play. Just it's in the true. back of the Georgian
0: theatre, there's just a Protestant, there's just a Protestant lord jerking himself off.
1: The play, literally, <laughs> the play is
2: the ghost of Titus Oates. The
1: play literally is standing
2: backstage with a hard
1: one. You have yeah. multiple duplicitous priests and ministers in this play. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: and the only person. Yeah, which I think is interesting when we're dealing with the McKellen adaptation, but we'll get to that later um, on, I think. So,
1: with regards to Tudor propaganda, that plays a major role as, a, as sources for Shakespeare. So, among the sources are A History of the Reign of Richard III, written by none other than Sir Thomas More.
3: <laughs> um,
1: oh, boy. um. Interestingly, Shakespeare would later... Uh, yeah, later, collaborate on a play called Sir Thomas More, which one day perhaps we will cover. I really like it, but it's very strange because it is extremely partial and unfinished. Um, that mm-hmm. uh, Shakespeare also draws on some other Tudor sources, like a guy called Polydor Virgil. Uh, Polydor a, what? Oh, oh, that's right name. a name. Uh, yeah, Polydor Virgil. You can look him up. Um, and he draws on Hollandshed. And all of these sources kind of, Paint this image. I love how both his
2: first and last names are one letter away from being the names of record
1: labels. <laughs> um, so both of all of this Tudor history uh, goes with this idea that um, Richard III. So he's the son of a man who tried to seize the throne from Henry VI. And then Henry VI was killed. And his br- older brother, Edward IV, takes the throne and then after the sort of um, meh reign of Edward IV there's a bunch of scandal in which Richard III or the Duke Richard of Gloucester and his partisans either seriously believe or let it be known that they believe Edward IV's heirs are bastards and that Richard is the legitimate claimant and he seizes the throne and possibly kills the kids who he seized the throne from that's a matter of contention I'm fairly sure it probably happened, but who knows? Um, the princess in the tower. Yes, the famous princess in my the tower. My notes say
2: the original kids
3: in cages. Oh my
1: God. Um, anyway, this provoked the revolt of a nobleman of Welsh pedigree called Henry Tudor, who had a very tenuous the claim Earl of Richmond. to the throne. Yes, the Earl of Richmond. You know
0: what, I, you know what is peak propaganda to me? Yeah. No one called Henry Tudor the Duke of Richmond during this time. No, they just called him Richmond he, all the time. Yeah, like no, but like Henry Tudor himself did. Like it wasn't that if you said the Duke of Richmond in like the 1470s or 1480s, everyone would have looked at you blankly. Like nobody yeah. knew that that wasn't a title that existed. Like they didn't yeah, even use well. it. In, it wasn't even used in exile, really, by the Tudors. <laughs> and it wasn't used after they came back to power, because you're not going to you're not going to bring that awkwardness up. I mean This is the other thing, is that Henry Tudor in this comes across as a lot more empathetic and likable than the actual Henry Tudor professional money cropping bastard of late 15th century That's England.
1: Absolutely once. correct. And the play really goes through by making Richard um which the historical <clears throat> sources have him as this scheming monster who spent two years in his mother's womb, who was born with a full set of teeth, who, um, you know, is, is stumpy and limping because, of course, they're incredibly, you know, by modern standards, we would say ableist, and we would be correct because they're horrendously bad about people with disabilities, which mm-hmm. they think reflect the soul. Um, it's really funny. I was reading about a historian just last night a guy called john well i don't know how to pronounce it because it's english but it's spelled r-o-u-s so maybe it's ruse or rose John do i would probably say rouse okay rouse anyway or he wrote it's, it's not an english name. yeah he wrote these like without like these illustrated histories of england and the his, history is nonsense but there's one he did during the reign of richard iii where he's like king richard is a true a good lord and a friend of the commons and then in the one written during the reign of Henry VII. He's like, Richard III was an evil, evil man who killed everyone who looked askance at him and was an eldritch monster. It's like, okay, very cool. I mean, the thing about
0: Henry Tudor is that everybody liked him because he managed to run a stable country, which was a a difficult thing to do in the pre-Reformation era. You know, it got harder during the Reformation, but
1: I mean, Basically, you're not wrong.
0: He, England, he turned England from a state that was brink- on the brink of becoming a failed, fractured society into one of the most economic, into an economic powerhouse on the side of England.
1: England was incredibly rich by the time he died, because instead of murdering he just fined them. And then, him, them. So and then, then Henry VIII fun- squandered it all on oh. fighting the French for no reason.
0: It is embarrassing how <laughs> quickly Henry VIII I mean, that's, the, that's the way, isn't it? Yeah, but, I mean, say what you want about Big Fatso. He did kind of make sure England would be a world power by continuing to fuck around and find out.
1: Um, he did a lot let's of finding see. out. That's, that's fucking around. So true. Um, but it all started with Dickie. See. Yes. So the play itself is from either 1592 or 1593. And it is the fourth part in a three-part series of the Henry VI plays, which... Hmm. Hmm, um, which were written very annoyingly in this order. Parts 2 and 3, which deal with the War of the Roses, were written in 1591. Mm. And then part 1 was written in 1592. Huh. Um, so we have 2, 3, and then 1, and then 4. Uh, George Lucas, eat your fucking heart out.
2: Yeah, I was actually going to make a joke about this series being... About Shakespeare's history plays being like Star Wars and this being Return of the Jedi. I wouldn't,
1: wouldn't be wrong.
2: But, yeah. Um, the, uh, so these would have been some of Shakespeare's earliest surviving plays,
1: right? Um, they're pretty early. They're the first um, major plays, I think I would say. Um, mm. Richard Burbage, who was the major star of Shakespeare's company almost certainly well not certainly originated the role of richard III. third he's eulogized as having done so and there's a very famous diary entry which i shall read to you upon a time when burbage played richard III, there was a citizen grew so far in liking with him that before she went from the play she appointed him to come that night unto her by the name of richard the third shakespeare overhearing their conclusion went before was entertained quote-unquote And at his game, air burbage came. Then, message being brought that Richard III was at the door, Shakespeare caused return to be made that William the Conqueror was before Richard III. And then uh, the diarist who records this adds the very helpful note, Shakespeare's name, William. Hmm. Um, So I'm not sure if that's a charming anecdote, but it's very well known. Uh, Basically, some lady found Richard III very sexy... And William Shakespeare, I guess, must have said, Well, you know, I'm the author. Uh, and I guess she found that more appealing. So. That feels like an
0: anecdote written by somebody who wrote. That feels like an anecdote from, like, didn't happen
1: in the year awards. It, it sounds very much like a do just trust me. But. So. <laughs> um... <laughs> so. <Sort of. laughs> sort of. Yeah. Gentlemen, you must trust me on this. If faith, tis true. <laughs> um, Indeed. Weirdly, the first recorded performance of it is from 1633 when Queen Henrietta Maria saw it performed. Uh, it was probably played by the amazingly named actor Hilliard Swanston. Yep. Um, I feel like the Stuarts
0: is... watching a play, especially during the period, the anti-parliament period about a mad desk walk. <coughs> It has I'm very sorry, thea- okay. it has a very theatric sense of foreboding, imagining Charles and Henrietta Maria watching a play about autocracy. I mean you're not wrong.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: It just is um, like this is not a play I would put on for Charles I. Uh interestingly <laughs> interestingly, Swanston is one of the rare actors to join the parliamentarians. Good for him. Huh. I don't. Is it good for him? A lot of the others uh, fought for the king, which makes sense because the the roundheads were literally fighting against their livelihood. Um... Well, I mean, <laughs> as, just as a
0: point, the round roundhead period, roundhead Puritanism is not really a thing till the war ends. I it's know. It's important. I to, know. It's important to understand the English Civil War as a um, aristocratic revolution betrayed by religious
1: reactionaries. Honestly, that's about right, isn't it? Yeah, that sounds. Yeah, it's like oh, all realistically,
0: yeah. Parliament does not want to kill Charles first, and he makes it the only way for this shit show to end.
1: Yeah, he mm-hmm. was extremely annoying and interesting. Which
0: is kind of also the point of Richard the Third that by the time Henry turns up, the only way to
1: get rid of him is just to kill him because he's killed everyone else. You're not wrong. Mm-hmm. Um. So the play was yeah. so so after the restoration and the the reopening of the theaters, we really get into a period with this play where the most important thing about it is the way it's performed, not the text so much. Because in the restoration, they uh, make Shakespeare fit, right? They, They reshape the text and they add things and they cut things heavily. In any production today that adds or cuts heavily, owes a debt to that, although I think we're a little better at it now, but, you know, who knows?
2: <laughs> um, Are you saying Restoration Theatre had its flaws?
1: Yeah, I am! I am, although I actually kind of like uh, some of them. Afra Bain is a very interesting playwright. She's a horrible person, but she's very interesting. Um, so the most influential Restoration Richard III was done by actor, manager, and mostly writer, though, in this case, called Kali Sibber. Um, and he...
2: My god, these names. I
1: know. A sipper, what? Like, he cut... Mo, he cut King Edward. He cut Queen Margaret. He cut Clarence. Uh, he added scenes um, from 3 Henry Six. Why? Is because he wanted to make it into a star vehicle. And every modern production that makes Richard III into a star vehicle is doing essentially the same thing. Which is to say every modern production of Richard III. I star would now. question that, but Ian McKellen certainly is. Well, the thing about
0: Ian yeah. McKellen's one is, this is very much, oh shit, look at all this kit we have. Now the Eastern Blocks collapsed. I wonder what we can do with it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <You're>
0: <laughs> like they're so putting right, around T-55s so and I'm... T-34s in like fantasy uniforms of period dramas wearing Jack. Sam Brown belts and Jack, 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 Jack. we are
1: now at a part of theatrical history where we get to talk about David Garrick, who is probably the most famous Richard III of all time. Dick! Unfortunately <laughs> for everyone. This is a, um, this is he, a David Garrick hater uh, He played the role I ho- like only, over hundred times. I'm going times. to put my
2: cards on the table here. I only know of David Garrick because of a passing reference in an H. guy video.
1: Um... He, what he is one of the most important people in the history of Shakespeare as a cultural institution, when he invented um, the Shakespeare, I think it's the Jubilee, he had these this um like this fire festival level disaster celebration in um, Stratford upon Avon as a commemoration Beautiful. of his birthday, but it was hugely successful and his performances made Shakespeare an institution, um, and. I mean Jack can talk about this but I mean this is the
0: thing to understand is that um, in the mid 18th century there were like four theatres in London four licensed theatres so if you were going to see theatre in London you were going to see one of four performances and for a period one of those was always David Garrick and another one was sponsored by David Garrick so you just well 50% 50% of the time, you saw what David Garrick wanted As to As we all see. know, the
2: the greatest way to stimulate artistic innovation is through a captive market. So true.
1: Yeah. That's why we and love Prime. You, you have Amazon joined the,
2: the finest neoliberal Shakespeare podcast.
1: <laughs> um, so, Garrick's style is ridiculously exaggerated. It's, it's almost like mm. um, pantomime.
2: to, to f- further to John's point... I think I read somewhere that these theaters, uh, these four licensed theaters in London, all had
1: like three thousand seats. Oh Oh, yeah, that's what. So they have to be bellowing, yeah, and extremely demonstrative. It also doesn't help that if you put a
0: performance on when the people don't like it, they stage a riot and burn the place down and smash everything up. This is true. Or if you stage a performance (laughs) during a time of social rest this riot people burn I everything mean, is I feel shit. like this is the equivalent
2: like the 18th century cultural equivalent of uh, American sports
0: fans rioting with their team.
2: Oh no cuz American long.
0: American sports fans don't tear don't tear sports stadiums down to rubble burn down Egypt, burn down the district around the theater and then the stage fights with the national guard all because not of playing too anti-American or pro-Russian. Because there is this um, instance. This where... is
2: what the Iron Cage has wrought.
0: I can't remember if this is it sort of like, there's an apocryphal story about someone getting fucked off because the performance of some anti-French play wasn't anti-French enough.
1: <laughs> I, can't, I can't say I've heard that one, but I think I can believe it. Yeah, um, it's sort of
0: semi-apocryphal.
1: Um, Anyway, so Garrick's performance is of of Cibber's script, and he's the one who really popularizes Cibber's script, and Cibber adds in all these additions um, to make Richard more evil and more sensational, and there are some lines which survive even into, well, certainly into the 1950s and even into the modern day. So you have um, when Richard is disposing of his henchman Buckingham after Buckingham has turned on him, Cibber has Richard saying, off with his head so much for Buckingham. Ha <laughs> ha ha Um Which is some real cartoon very famous. exactly it's worse than a Um he also <laughs> also after um the dream sequence at Bodsworth Field where Richard finally realizes uh that his life has been lived for nothing and he is a monster, uh Sipper adds in a little bit of clarification, so we know he isn't changed. He's still a, a good villain to hate. He adds in the line, "Conscience of Aunt, Richards himself again." Uh and there's a whole host of other things like that. I'm not a fan, yep. but you so have the reason about
0: that it. McKellen keeps doing the straight to camera pieces.
1: No, that's just as written, man.
0: Oh my that's God, a, she- that's
1: a faithful way to do monologues. Currently Shakespeare invented
0: House of Cards. He did. he did. I mean, actually, genuinely, Bar. Bar. yes. I mean, realistically, that's the I mean, that's what House of Cards is. It's the Richard the third. Oh, yes. absolutely. House of Cards is like just in, in, the the in the original present day of the three books um, that were written. Its original
1: cycle. so in in the nineteenth century, Richard the Third was very successful in the United States. For instance, you had these barnstorming productions. Um, among these barnstorming actors would be none other than the famous Booth family who produced um, some very talented actors, actually. Also a presidential assassin. uh, But they all hated him, which is fair. So in
2: summary, it's impossible to
0: say if they were (laughs) good. Exactly.
1: Um, I do like they
0: also hated him, don't worry. uh,
1: One one, uh, theatrical production from the 19th century I was not aware of, but I'm very glad I learned about, uh, was from a group of free blacks in New York who formed the African Theater Company. And their first production was a production of Richard. Oh yeah, is that... I think think they may have a poster of that on Wikipedia. They do. Uh, Of course, their production was an adaptation of the Sibber Richard. So, I'm not sure if they get full points, but really, really cool stuff, guys. Very neat. Can't have everything. Very neat. Um, The 20th century saw uh, increasingly more naturalistic Richards, and and some less. Uh, In the Weimar Republic, they did it, of course, uh, with some really interesting experimental staging, and then they did it in Nazi Germany? (laughs) Haha, what? Um, okay, as you can see the Nazis
0: Um, doing it and casting Richard as a sort of Judeo-Bolshevik.
1: Apparently, this production was a little bit seditious because they gave Richard a club foot and made him look like Goebbels.
3: Mm, and the
1: go- interesting. And the ghosts were compared we will have more to
2: say about this
1: it's very apt isn't it uh, the ghosts were made to look like the victims of the night of the long knives um, this heyday went on until 1941 when the Shakespearean tragedies were banned <laughs> I wonder why um, mm, you may also it's a mystery, you will right? be interested to know that the Nazis did they continue to stage the comedies um Yes, because The Merchant of Venice is a comedy.
0: Well, the thing is, of course, oh, that Shakespeare, yeah. Shakespeare is better in, the, in German, as any German would tell you. <laughs> in the original <laughs> German. I mean, they yeah. one...
1: essentially think that.
0: I mean, there's a great... I don't know. I'm going to side note talk talking about my favourite book of all time, which is The Time of Gifts, which is about a book man called Patrick Lee Fermor who walked across Europe in 1934. And in Germany, somebody's like, Shakespeare's better in German. So he buys Shakespeare in German. He's like, you know what, maybe it is better. But then he meets a Czech guy who's like, no, it's better in English.
1: <laughs> so true, Masharik King. I thought he
2: was going to say it was better in
1: Czech. No. Um. So after the war, we have this kind of idea of Richard as a possible fascist. Um, And mm. uh, the first main post-war Richard is, of course, Laurence Olivier who's very kind of old-fashioned, very campy, he goes.
2: Yeah, so I'm thinking, uh, at this point, it may be worth mentioning um, the two productions that are going to be the main focus of this, because they're the two ones I watched. What are they? Uh, so, firstly, we have the 1955 Laurence Olivier production of Laurence Olivier's Richard III, starring Laurence Olivier, directed by Laurence Olivier, uh, based on the play by William Shakespeare, with additional uh, reworking by Laurence
0: Olivier.
1: Yeah, that's about um, right. Laurence Olivier. <laughs> Are you
0: okay? I've always wondered, well, <laughs> I've always <laughs> okay. If I the was okay? She was a massive. No. It's kind of like that. He uh, was an actor. I don't know Jack. if you've
2: seen it, but there was a while ago, there was a picture going around on Twitter of um, a uh, neck label on uh, a Mark Jacobs jacket. That was just Jacobs by Mark Jacobs in collaboration with Mark by Mark Jacobs, <laughs> featuring Mark Jacobs. That's kind of the vibe of this. Um, yeah. And this is kind of, I feel like this movie is uh, maybe not only
1: the archetypal Richard III, but also just the archetypal Shakespeare movie. I think so. I, I think there's a good case to be made, uh, I was saying this to someone, that when people make fun of Shakespeare today, really they're making fun of the way Olivier does Shakespeare. I think you were saying really that to like, me. Yeah. Which is...
2: That to us, yeah.
1: Um, okay, I guess I did say it to you. Um, I think I said it to someone else too. Um... But uh, Olivier, I mean, he's very good, but he's very also like now is the winter of our discontent made glorious yeah. summer, and it's like, oh my god, <laughs> shoot me in the <laughs> fucking head. Yeah. So, um,
2: this movie is very much the vibe of uh, Lawrence Olivier presents, all caps
0: history, whereas. The other one we're talking about presumably being the 1993 one. Yes,
2: 95. It's yeah.
0: very much Ian McKellen presents fascism is bad, but also very very good looking.
1: Um, featuring mm-hmm. less than half of the text and hideous hideous cuts.
0: But also Sorry.
1: every <laughs> every
0: British actor you like and Robert Downey Jr. But, uh, oh, fuck!
1: I was going to mention that! Yeah, Robert Downey Jr. can't do Shakespeare. Uh, I'm so sorry. So, this movie begins with um,
2: almost like a rolling disclaimer.
1: Which it needs, because this like, play is historical nonsense.
2: Yes, and also this play is very obviously a sequel. That's true, too.
1: Um, one of the um, things that Sibber cut around... And other productions have to cut around today. Is the fact that this is the coda to a civil war, a play, several plays within themselves? Yeah. Um, so yeah, you had to square that up, and it's 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 difficult. It's confusing, man. It's a bit like
0: watching the turn of the Jedi without having seen.
1: Yeah, a new it's not Hope quite or like or watching Rise. That's back, a... yeah. That's a good comparison,
0: It's actually. not like watching Rise of Skywalker, which literally doesn't make sense. Like, you can follow return of the Jedi. You just spend a lot of yeah, time going, yeah, yeah. wait, who is that? Yeah,
2: watching Rise of Skywalker without having seen any see, other Star Wars I was going to say... Movie, it's not actually that different from watching as well having seen all of them.
1: Uh, see, I was going to say... In terms of general coherence. Um, watching a, a movie about Stalin before you know anything about um, the Russian Revolution. But it's the same idea.
0: I guess it would also, yeah. I mean, to make a more on-brand one, it might also be like watching Undisco- Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, before you've watched any other Star Trek.
1: You laugh, but the first... Before
2: you know who Mikhail Gorbachev yeah. was. You
1: laugh, but the first uh, Next Generation project I ever saw was um, First Contact.
0: Yeah, but you can watch First Contact without
1: having I mean, can you? Anyway, this is not a Star Trek podcast, unfortunately. <laughs> no, nor is it a Star Wars nor- my Star Trek podcast. So true, do that. So, I would like to read the
2: text. It's very good. That appears on screen at the beginning of Laurence Olivier's Richard III, starring Laurence Olivier. It's also very uh, florid. Yes. It goes The history of the world, like letters without poetry, flowers without perfume, or thought without imagination, would be a dry matter indeed without its legends. And many of these, though scorned by proof a hundred times, seem worth preserving for their own familiar sakes. Uh. The following begins in the latter half of the 15th century in England, at the end of a long period of strife set about by rival factions of the English crown, known as the Wars of the Roses. The Red Rose being the emblem of the House of Lancaster, and the White for the House of York. The white rose of York was in its final flowering at the beginning of the story, as it inspired William Shakespeare.
1: And as hate, as much as I hate to say it, that is probably one of the best possible ways of setting up the audience for this play. It's yeah. It's brief. It doesn't add too much. It's fine. Ian McKellen does not do this.
0: Ian McKellen basically it goes, it goes, it goes. It is a time of civil war. He goes full Star in the time of civil war. The yes. Lancaster's on House of York at each other's throats. The aged not king. Not only does
1: he go... Striking from deep... Yeah. But not then, only and then, does he uh, go that far, in the first scene where he kills Henry VI and his son, Prince Edward, uh, he is breathing in a fucking respirator mask like Darth fucking Vader. So that, you're missing the more important part. He drives a tank through a wall. He does drive a tank through <laughs> okay, a wall. Okay, we, we
2: should wait to talk about the McKellen one. Until we have some idea of how the plot works.
1: Sure. Um, I reckon. Um, how do we want to but... summarize the plot? Because there are several ways we can do it, and the thing is that the plot as written in the text is not the same usually as the plot as seen on stage or as filmed.
2: Okay, so I'm going to summarize the Olivier version, that's and a then very you good... just tell me where I'm wrong, or like where where, where the text Olivier differs.
1: has made certain omissions. Sure, that's a good idea.
2: Yeah. So, um, the scene that John mentions, which is in the McKellen movie, where um, Richard kills uh, the previous king and his son, uh, that's not actually in the Olivier version. I don't know if it's in the play or not.
1: It's sort of in Henry VI. It's two different yeah, scenes okay. in Henry so VI. So that's one
2: of those callbacks, yeah. Three Henry Um six. So, that w- this one begins with... Uh, Edward, Richard's older brother, being
1: crowned. Also in 306.
2: Yes. And, you know, once the ceremony is over... Uh, Richard gives a speech... Which is very famous. And which Margot cited earlier.
1: And it goes like this... Now is the winter of our discontent, etc. You can look it up. I'm yes. not going to recite the whole thing. But I could. Uh,
2: basically, it begins with... Uh, him saying... We won. And then saying... Unfortunately, my brother is a massive dipshit. <laughs>
1: yes. this
3: is, Which is a historically and
2: Also, And also, Richard particularly hates uh, Edward's wife, Queen Elizabeth. Uh,
1: who is like nouveau riche. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. And uh, in, in, in the McKellen the way, film, of course, uh, she and her brother are Americans. Nice historically,
1: touch. by the way, Edward IV did, in fact, fuck himself to death. Um, Jack just gave a salute. Yep, gonna leave that Jack there. Jack gave a salute.
0: That's the, that's the English way
1: to go. What a guy.
2: Um. <laughs> There's this... Uh, I'm just, like, tangentially reminded of this story about Winston Churchill uh, being told that I think one of his backbench MPs was caught having, having, uh, having sex in public in Hyde Park in the middle of the night and in the middle of winter, and he says... Wasn't it terribly cold? <laughs> and the the secretary is telling him this, as yes, sir. It makes you proud to be British,
1: doesn't it? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I hate <I> it. <didn't... laughs> yeah. We do... This is not so, a Winston uh, Churchill standing podcast. Uh, no! no. said <laughs> <No. laughs> Never mind. Uh,
2: so, anyway. Um, so, my... Um, so then, of course, Richard says in an aside um, that uh, he is going to plot to take the throne for himself because he is, as he puts it in his own words, subtle and treacherous.
1: <laughs> so true, King.
2: Um, and yeah, in actually, I I wonder if it isn't actually better to talk about the McKellen production at the same time. Yeah. Which we should mention, unlike the Olivier movie, is not actually
1: directed by Ian McKellen. It is directed by his close collaborator, Richard Longcrane. And McKellen probably could have argued for directing credit if he had wanted it, to be honest with you. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it's his production. Everything is cut around. But yeah, him. so
2: the way it so, so the way McKellen does this, uh, which I found y- you mentioned strange cuts. Yes. And I think this is one of the strangest ones in that movie, which is that the first half of the speech where he praises uh, King Edward is done in public into a oh, microphone. Oh, I actually really and then like this.
0: No, that's a good cut. Uh, and
2: then there's a smash cut to him saying the aside part uh, in the while... In the Jets' uh, toilet in Panker Station. Yes. Yeah. So I like
0: that King. cut. Yeah, that's I think it's very cut. clever, actually. I think it's a clever cut to represent that uh, it's how he wants, as as presenting himself publicly and what he actually thinks.
2: Yeah, I mean the thing you have to say about the McKellen movie is that I think more than anything it is a
1: vibe. That's the thing. I think that's its real problem. Uh, it's, it's more a vibe. Uh, for instance,
2: the... aside from I think I think the Winter of Discontent Speech is the first actual piece of dialogue in that movie, and it's about nine minutes in.
0: Well there's a basic scene yeah. No, well there's a couple of off-the-cuff remarks. So basically, it's very... Yeah, which aren't textual. App, which is, you yeah. know, a um, reductive comparison. With but... all
1: due respect, Jack, in a Shakespeare movie, someone saying, sir, or your majesty, is not dialogue. All right, fine.
0: <laughs> but it's a good introduction, because... Yeah, and of course... I think it gives away who each of the character It gives away the personalities of the characters to play properly, you know, having... You know Richard turn up in a military staff car, and the king fussing over himself, and um, Clarence being a bit useless, and
2: Rivers flirting with a. The
1: play. So the first, the first action that Richard takes to seize the throne is he has planted rumors to get his brother Clarence, who is the, who after his nephews, the princes, is heir to the throne. Mm-hmm. And so, he gets... Um, Played
2: in the Olivier version by Sir John Gielgud, and in the McKellen film by uh, Sir Humphrey Appleby. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes. Um, Very
2: strangely, because he looks nothing like either of his on-screen brothers. That's wrong. For you. Um,
1: so, in the, pl- in the play, uh, Clarence has kids who mourn their father's death, and the McKellen one, he does not... He is a doddering old bachelor who likes to take pictures. Um, Yeah. Which is fine, I guess. Uh, Historically... No subtext there whatsoever. Historically, he was a real piece of shit who murdered a servant in a way that even England in the 1480s found... I'm starting to
2: wonder if decades of civil war doesn't kind of turn your ruling class into universally pieces of shit.
1: Perhaps. Um, Decades of Civil War. George of Clarence was an overambitious schmuck. Uh, That's my reading of him. I think the other other important thing is. In this play, he's lovely.
0: It's important to clarify that it's decades of Civil War presaged by total and utter defeat at the hand of the French, resulting in the almost total loss of all your continental possessions. This is
1: true, too. Mm-hmm.
2: And also, and um, at the hands of a Of woman. course, we should mention uh, a big peasant rebellion. Yeah. Which, admittedly, is about 100 years earlier, but still. Well,
0: the English state is not particularly which is strong. Which got crushed. Just, everyone, just go but listen to the history of England. <laughs> it's good. It's good. You'll like it. Just go um, listen to the history of England. he has so, got fun music, and he's very calm and nice.
1: So he, so, um, so he gets Clarence deposed, and, yeah, and he says, and like, a, I love you strange... so much, I'll send you. To heaven. <laughs> Love it. And there's
2: there's a bit of prophecy here.
1: Oh, yes. He says that uh, there's a prophecy about... Which says that someone named G is going to be a murderer. Um, mm-hmm. And this could either... I, we should
2: mention at this point that... Um, Clarice's first name is George. Also, Richard is the Duke of Gloucester. Get
1: it? Get it? G? 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 Yeah. Yeah. Um, Meanwhile, Richard, for reasons that. House of Gloucester. For reasons that no, are just... not especially clear in the text or in any adaptation, because it's not very clear, Richard decides he needs a consort. So he finds the Princess Anne, who. Yes! Is,
0: I have so much to say it about such a, a mental scene.
1: Right. Yes. So, Even more I
0: mean, this... than the film. it's just mental. Now,
1: the Princess Anne historically was the daughter of the Kingmaker Warwick and someone who had kind of grown up with Richard, so their marriage was not that surprising. In the play, he has killed her father-in-law and her husband, and now he's like, "Hey, girl, mm. you want to do it? It's wild."
2: Yeah, uh, I my notes here say. Um... Sure, I killed your husband, but only because you're hot.
1: That's essentially his... The, the yeah, the whole bit where he's dead. like, and ugly. somehow this works. The bit where he's like, if you don't
0: marry me, you could, you should kill me. And she's like, I'm not going to do that. And then she's like, if you don't marry me, I'll kill myself. And then she's like, yeah,
1: yeah okay, fine. The, uh, is Now, I have a question for you. Is the Lady Anne marrying Duke Richard of Gloucester the original I can fix him?
0: <laughs> no, because I don't uh, think she thinks she can fix us.
1: I don't really know mm. what she's thinking. I've not think been she'd to like figure to be it out. A, I think she'd like no. to be alive in eight
0: months.
1: Yeah. That might be the strongest one. Just uh, you do you do a staging of it where Richard has men around him and they'll kill her if she doesn't say yes. So,
2: two additional pieces of insanity we should mention about this scene in the McKellen film. Yes. Uh,
0: firstly, it takes place in the morgue with her,
2: with her body. husband's body in the back. He's
0: wearing um service dress in grey. The hospital just yeah. seems fucking depressing. Yeah. I, I mean, I do like
2: the sort of 1930s grime in this movie. Yeah. It it honestly gives me uh, gives me <laughs> Brazil vibes.
1: Yeah, a little bit.
0: And it's all filmed that. Um, St. Pancras station, which if you go there now is a very clean, very swish Eurostar terminal, but in the nineteen no nineties was fucking miserable. Like nothing could yeah. be done with that place. Almost all film the St. Pancras hotel because the, of the dilapidated mess.
1: As well, I love it.
2: Yeah, but yeah. yeah so um, the other insane bit uh, is that he. The way he presents her with the engagement ring is he 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 takes it off his finger with his teeth. Right, because oh. he only has the one arm. He only yeah. has
1: the one arm.
0: Oh! It's still kinky as fuck. Right. Well, yes, he
1: has two is... arms, but the other one is like this deformed mess. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 so... yeah, like the Kaiser. Yeah, exactly. Oh, the, it I, um... is a Kaiser illusion, isn't it? Well, in McKellen's it absolutely is. This was something that was believed about Richard uh, the limp, by the way, seems to be original to Shakespeare, but everyone has the idea that he's a, a, a hunchback with a, a a gammy arm.
2: Yeah, and I should mention, to go back to the Olivier film, You, if you have not seen this movie before and you watch it, it's on YouTube, we'll link it in the show notes. Please do. Um, you will almost certainly recognize the way Laurence Olivier looks as
1: Richard III, with his little curled hair. God fucking hell. Yeah, man.
2: especially if you've
1: seen the first Shrek movie. Oh my god, it is Lord Farquaad.
0: <sighs>
2: yes. I, do,
1: I just got that. Oh my god. It's I don't so like this. I don't like this at all. Is Shrek a Shakespearean character? Anyway. um,
2: I mean, some of you may die, but that's a chance I'm willing to take. Is basically a lot Some of you play, may die.
1: This is my Olivier. Um. Okay, <laughs> elsewhere, Edward's wife, Elizabeth, is like, oh my god, my ki- my husband is sick, and our kids are in their minority. If my husband dies, yeah. the in, uh, in will the will be McKellen film,
2: Richard. Firstly, uh, the children are running around dressed up as Indians.
1: Problematic, they deserve it.
0: Yes. It's, well, it's, it's a very 1930s illusion. My favourite part is the foreshadowing
1: well, it's, it's of because the one with the... They're meant to be American, right. yeah. half American.
2: Yeah. Also, the uh, Elizabeth and her brother, uh, Lord Rivers, are Americans. Are Americans. In and the Lord play, that's mentioned play, by there's a bunch is of played other, by um, none other yes. than Richard Downey Jr. Richard Downey is
0: Jr. Robert Downey. Jr. Robert Downey
2: Jr., of course. I do like but there's the... too
1: many Richards in this play. Yeah. I'm mixing up my Roberts I do like and my the illusion in the
0: McKellen where we see um the one with the pla- a kid what the, the son with the play- Prince with a plane playing that a the Prince with the train. And that's a very immediate illusion yeah. to how the film ends. Fun fact, um I... did anyone notice that in the McKellen that Lord Stanley's wearing an RAF uniform for the whole thing?
2: Um, well, I figured that a... out about two seconds before uh, the uh, the airstrike happened. Yeah, so no. was
1: just supposed to be an air marshal.
0: Wait, well, yeah, he said he's wearing an air chief marshal's uniform for the whole thing, and he realized that he doesn't, he never changes, yeah. it, and he only appears in it. And he's like, "How is it's this, this fun trappings?" And then at the end, he he drops a bunch of fucking bombs nope. on Richard. And I like so true.
2: Yeah, my uh, my notes for that scene. Although we are skipping ahead a significant amount here, but my notes for that scene say air support, air support, my kingdom for some air support, <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> my kingdom for air superiority.
1: Um, L- okay, nineteen forty-five. <laughs> 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 yeah. oh so this is um, so here in Act One we have something which usually gets which is cut from both of these productions. And it is this, Henry VI's old queen, Margaret, um, comes back and she starts cursing everyone. And she says, you all robbed me of my kingdom, but soon someone is going to rob you of your kingdom. And then you're going to be wishing you were me, because I know how to curse and you don't. Uh, and that will come back. And she prophesies uh, the deaths of everyone who ends up being executed by Richard in the play. Um, that usually gets that often gets cut out because it's kind of extraneous.
3: It
0: does Yeah, it only like, really works mm, if you've done all three. But
1: also, like another reason why people cut it out is because they're fucking sexist, um, and they want it to be a male vehicle. But it's fine. We don't have to get into that. Uh, <laughs> both of these productions are really like Richard just stomps all over everyone. And the thing is that the play is the thing is that the play as written allows women, especially, a real chance to stomp back at Richard. And because of the cuts, that doesn't really happen in either of these productions,
2: which is a shame. William
1: Shakespeare, feminist hero. This play has some really interesting Go women. listen to our previous episode. This play <laughs> has some really interesting women. That's all I'm saying.
2: Anyway. Yeah. Um, so one thing mm-hmm. I should mention about uh, King Edward and Queen Elizabeth, uh, specific to the Ian McKellen version, is that... Um, the king is played by John Wood, and Queen Elizabeth, who, as we mentioned, is American in the play, is played by Annette Although Bening.
1: sometimes she has like a weird, like, European accent. It's kind of. Yeah, she's kind of, she kind of goes mid Atlantic and plays it. Yeah, yeah, I didn't like that. Yeah. But I love Annette Benning. She's my favorite.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, fun fact about that uh, John Wood, born in 1930, Annette Benning, born in
0: 1958.
1: Yikes. I mean, she this is
0: really age, much younger. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I think she is. Yeah, I mean, I, that's I think not a, that's that is not a bad twenty of years of the is most, pretty low uh,
0: bowling for medieval monarchs.
2: <laughs> yeah. On the one hand, yes. On the other hand, ironically, it's not quite as accurate for this particular marriage because Elizabeth was in fact older than Edward.
1: Huh. I ah. didn't know that. I didn't remember that. Well, uh, they anyway...
2: shamed
0: a lot to have young children.
1: Well, I didn't know that. Anyway, until about half an um, so so Richard hires murderers <sighs> to kill Clarence. And at first they're a little bit like, oh gosh, should we do it? I don't know. But then they're like, hey, Richard's going to pay us. And then one of the murderers has the great line. or They have a little exchange, which I love. One of them says, where's your conscience now? And the other one says, in the Duke of Gloucester's purse, uh, which is so good. <laughs> anyway. And... One of the murderers <laughs> is um, Adrian Nick and Ben
0: Coppers Dunbar. Of, um, if you are an English, of British character is the, um, what's his name? the chief superintendent in line of duty.
1: Uh, anyway. Adrian Dunn. um
0: Nick and Ben so, Yorkists.
1: So I am afraid to say Clarence is now dead. So that's one person crossed off. Is he the drowned in a barrel of wine dead. saying gets... a
0: Shakespeare thing?
1: Um, I believe that is an earlier invention, but Shakespeare does it. Interestingly, not off stage. The murderer, or not on stage, excuse me. The murderers are like, let's drown him in the momsy butt. Um, because it's not it, in the a Macallan
0: adaptation. I thought it would be.
1: It, well, it yeah, would be he's weird. in he's in a bathtub. He's, yeah, they drown him in a bath. It's like, in what, what is
2: possibly the most Brazil vibes scene. It is. That is movie. The I like The drowning in the bathtub scene is pretty Brazil.
1: I like the idea that the prison they have him in, which is of course the Tower of London, um, it has baths like la- like lazy yes, baths. Yes, and also it has. Uh, also, oh, it has tiled walls and steam pipes. I mean, why there. not?
0: It's not actually the Tower of London. It's, it's the Tate Modern before they rebuilt it. I know it. it's
1: not actually the Tower of London, Jack. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were told they shouldn't film at the Tower of London because there were too many tourists. I, yeah, I so read That's quite fun. The script notes. Um, okay, we're in Act Two now. Yay! Uh, Edward is like, "Okay, everyone, we're gonna get together. We're we're no one's gonna have a civil war after I die." Hey, where's my brothers, Richard and Clarence? And Richard's like, oh, you you didn't know that Clarence is dead. And every, and what? and Edward like has a fit and dies. It's very that's funny. kind of funny. <laughs> it yeah, is, it's, it's even uh, you,
0: the Macaulay.
1: It's very practical, isn't it? That's the Brighton Pavilion, which is very nice. Um, and then and,
0: uh, I
2: put in my notes that uh, in the Olivier movie, uh, Richard's hat in this scene is possibly the most ridiculous hat. In oh, the I don't movie. remember
1: what it looks like. Uh,
2: it's kind of uh, it, it's shaped a bit like a shoe. <laughs> oh, As it's one do. of
1: those medieval hats. Yeah.
2: Yeah. With like the long and oh, then the God ermine God on help. the sides. Yeah. yeah. I uh, so you know how a a three cornered hat is a tricorn and a two cornered is a bicorne. I sometimes refer to this style of hat as a unicorn.
0: <laughs> I don't know if that's accurate. It's like at a um, Robin Hood
3: hat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, I see. I it's, see. It's very it. 15th century. I
1: see it. I see it. God help me. The link to this uh, picture is on an is on a Breitbart article. That's unfortunate. Oh no. What? Anyway, I'm not going <laughs> to open it. I don't know. I think they're yes. saying like SJWs want to make Richard III a victim or something. Anyway, it's very <laughs> dumb. He clearly is, by the way. Um, <laughs> well, let's see. Personally, I yeah, don't. Yeah, if I do, a do a materialist analysis
2: of the play, you realize that Richard is really only the, uh, the, the embodied ambition of, of uh, feudalism in crisis. I mean, basically,
1: um, and his mom is well, really it... mean to him, played in the Ian McKellen film by Maggie Smith. Who's like I mean, he, yes. who's to be like, fair to I actual don't Richard,
0: he did also suck. Like he actual went, Richard, he passed
1: some. He passed some I most of them did. He passed some laws that were pretty good for the Commons, actually. But he did also but definitely. Get into that. But he did also definitely kill some children. Yeah, but so did <laughs> everyone else of his day and age. I'm not sure that excuses. I'm not saying it does, um, I, I'm but not I think there is Richard absolutely was... a. T- I think there's absolutely a timeline where Richard III is well remembered. That's all. Yeah. Mm. Uh Anyway, okay, Act Three, Act Three, Act Three. Um, the princes Wait, that... arrive in. The prince. Yeah. So Edward is dead, right? Yeah. Um, and R- and Richard and Buckingham have decided to oh, make now... a little conspiracy. And who is Buckingham? Let's talk about that motherfucker. It's it's Jim Broadbent. It is Jim Broadbent playing like a press magnate. I'm not really sure what he's supposed to be. bro. I feel like he feels like a Beaverbrook. I think. I feel like they were going for Beaverbrook, but like they never, they never really make it as explicit as you could. You know, like have a scene. Yeah, because like 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 interesting thing about the
2: McKellen film, right, is that, I think. It is really interesting to try and dig into exactly how this society is meant to work It doesn't it, really
1: work, but it's fun.
2: It's
0: England, if yeah. there was no, if it was on the losing side of the First World War and had no empire. I guess so. Because but it that's has no... Nuts. Par- but yeah, but think about this. That this is a world where Parliament is not a strong institution. Power lies with the city of London. Where... It can be controlled by the members by mid-level members of the aristocracy press magnets and industrialists
1: okay but that where, does sound like but a, a country Kuda that lost the
0: first world war i'll give you that yeah but also where successful coup d'etat can happen with foreign backing from france
2: yeah because one of the courtiers from the play uh, Lord Hastings, I Prime think. described as
0: the Prime Minister.
2: it's described as the Prime Minister in yeah, the film. That yeah. is,
1: that, would you believe that is not a Shakespearean idea? I would. <laughs> I, if you look at
0: how they're dressed, like, um... every dressed in 30 stars. When the princes turn up, they're dressed like, um, Prince Edward the Eighth. And... Yeah.
1: And the Hastings... Uniform. And Hastings oh, yeah. looks like Stanley Baldwin or something. It's Hastings is...
0: Hastings is wearing yeah. the suit Stanley Baldwin would wear. Like, the bit where he comes in and, um... Like, uh... Shooting suits and we before he gets hung. That's that's what There's a picture of Baldwin look like. Even the hair is done a bit like Baldwin, Mm -hmm. and yeah, and Broadbent
2: dresses similarly, at least to begin with. And
0: Broadbent is definitely dressed like Beaver Bro,
1: like a okay. So, 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 um, I should
0: mention, are we at Richard's coronation? Almost, we're at um, they. The bit um, where Richard gets jumped by one of the princes. Oh, And then yeah, Stan- Stanley has the board dream. I love the board dream. Oh, right, yeah. So my notes for that Harding scene... plays it really well.
2: <laughs> my notes for that scene in the McKellen movie say, um, uh, apparently, um, hmm. touching Richard's hump takes away his powers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Because...
1: Right, so that's suggested by... A- he
2: falls onto the ground, and, uh, I hadn't noticed before this that his arm was deformed.
1: Right, so, so the, little, the the two little princes are like, Oh, hello, uncle. I wish we had more uncles here. And he's like, hm. And then uh, they're being all witty and japesy. And the younger prince is like, who, by the way, was named Richard, but in the McKellen film, he's named James because Ian got confused, which actually is <laughs> extremely fair. Um, he's like, yeah, because no, that it's... I am little like an ape, Thinks that you should bear me on your shoulders and he hops on richard's shoulders and he's like ah, like that like that <laughs> he doesn't actually go yes. through but like it, this is a visual medium so you can't see what i did but just yeah. imagine
0: no. i mean the thing is so then we have stanley's dream where he sees him as a ball which is he kind of looks terrifying in boar oh makeup.
1: yeah that is the um, so that's ins- I mean, that's inspired the by film a speech. has a lot of
0: insane
2: scenes in that's it.
1: inspired by a speech the play does not have a dream where uh Richard has the face of a boar the boar by the way is his sigil which is yeah kind of it's I guess.
2: which becomes this in in the McCallum film becomes the symbol of his it becomes his swastika
0: The question I have to ask yeah, is, um, yeah. is Stanley as straight up having a having straight up not having a good time? in all the other adapters, because in this, Edmund Hardick, who is best known for playing Dr. Watson, is just basically run around yeah. going, oh shit, the Empire, oh shit, England's falling apart around me, fuck.
2: That's
1: essentially fuck. correct. Um, <laughs> yeah. We should also he say is the,
0: that's...
2: He's, he's the courtier who sided with Henry Tudor yeah. first. We should no. also say that... So it's important um, to portray him as having some yeah We should
1: also say that he is um, Henry Tudor's, like, stepfather in... He's his guardian because Henry Tudor's dad, did. Well, yeah. no, he married Henry Tudor's mom. Is what happened. Yeah. Um, I think we uh, say uh, stepfather in modern terms. Yeah. So he is his stepfather. Uh, and meanwhile, Richmond, who will eventually usurp the throne, has been um busying himself around in the Macaulay one, which is actually a, an idea I like. Although historically he was in exile in Brittany, not important. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so the prince, so Richard's like, hey princes, before the coronation. Just to be safe, I think you should go to the Tower of London. And they're like, that seems like a bad idea. Also, wasn't the Tower of London built by Julius Caesar? It was not. It was. But not. that was believed in Shakespeare's day. Um, so Richard is like, hey, Buckingham, let's get our guy Catesby to ask Hastings if he would want to make me king. And Hastings is like, hell nah um and so then there's this really bizarre scene where they're like discussing the coronation like all the head officers of the kingdom and richard comes in quote-unquote late and he's like oh hey guys i was asleep what's up and then he's like hey could i have some strawberries and then so the archbishop who has the strawberries like leaves because he's one of the chief officers of state um he is he is the strawberry bearer to his majesty and then richard is like hey quick question what would you do if someone had tried to bewitch me and have me killed and they're like well and, and uh, Hastings is like i we'd kill him right and he's like yeah that's cool and he pulls out his like mangled hand and he's like look queen elizabeth and edward's old mistress elizabeth shore have done this to me Ah, uh, you and and Hastings is like well i, I Seems legit. And Hastings is like well if they did that and he's like if how dare you off with his head yeah and, <laughs> And that's how Hastings is killed. He just, and, and, I mean, it's quite dramatic. Yeah, and, uh, and then there's a scene, is this there's the, a scene uh, where he's led to uh, the chopping block, and he's like, oh, Margaret was right!
2: Yeah, the uh, the Olivier film has this scene uh, filmed in almost the exact same way uh, as the opening sequence to The Elder Scrolls V: <laughs> Hey, you! You're finally awake! Yeah.
1: You're the Lord Hastings, aren't you? I was half expecting a dragon to show I up. I would love it. Um, so this is where we get to the city politics. Um, because Richard and Buckingham decide that their main power base ought to be the city of London. So they try to convince the Lord Mayor and the leading citizens that uh, Edward's kids are illegitimate. Yeah. Um, and um, there's a great bit where they have a balcony scene like, a fascist-style balcony scene. and This is as written. There's More also fascist. a scene There's also a scene which usually gets cut, uh, which I think should be kept, especially if you're doing a production about, like, Richard is a fascist, where this scrivener comes on, and he's like, I wrote Hastings' execution warrant. Isn't it amazing how we wrote the warrant after he was killed? That's not good. Yeah, I feel like how it's played... <laughs> I think you should keep that if you're making Richard a fascist, because that's how fascists do things. They do ex post facto... Executions.
0: Yeah. I do like. The I don't know but, why Richard. Yeah.
1: I don't know why McKellen cut that. I think it yeah. really helps his point.
0: It might be for time.
1: <laughs> his
3: time yeah. is already
1: stellar. He's under two hours.
3: Yeah, you can
1: have a little fat, dude. It's okay. One of the. Uh, one of the. I mean, this I like bit, but this bit drag on a bit is the, the silliness. It does drag in the middle. Because there's this that. bit
0: where I mean, I do like the scene where he goes into this underground restaurant. It's quite good because it's the first time you realize, oh shit, everybody's wearing black. Because yeah. Buckingham and Catesby yeah, in... are now wearing
1: black. They're wearing black mm-hmm. shirts. It's fine.
0: With
3: it's black all good. But...
1: Trips, but... Yeah,
2: they're, they're wearing basically just SS
1: uniforms. I admit... Bronx. Well,
0: no, it's worth
1: that which is
3: that their that...
0: British Army uniforms dyed black. For like, what they're what actually
1: it's worth... British Army
0: uniforms. Ooh. they
2: got the um, pockets.
1: For what it's worth... Yeah, <laughs> Ian... this is
0: why it's good that
2: we had you on for this episode. For
1: what it's worth, <laughs> Ian McKellen's uh, Richard being so openly already fascist kind of, to me, undercuts the comedy of him being like, I'm just a, I'm just a simple religious man. I've been here praying with my two spiritual advisors. You want me to be king? Well, I couldn't do that. But if you say so, and if he's already dressed like fucking Mussolini, that's a- But well, like, Hitler oh, was dressed Holland... like that when they
0: signed the enabling act, so.
1: Yeah, but he had been campaigning as someone who wanted to be a fascist for 10 years already.
0: Yeah, I suppose you
1: got a point. <laughs> um i mean i i, I yeah. think by making him tr- so obviously this uh you make him a little bit less of a chameleon which he is in the play i and think that's it a would have worn, you can make it could be that, done yeah. if
0: they had everyone in the black and then he comes out
1: in a suit yeah i would have done that and then for the coronation he's wearing his fascist uniform and oh you boy, get we're we getting to the coronation yes we're at the coronation
0: Yes.
2: So actually, Which before the coronation, very, very hey, coronation,
1: we have um,
0: Stanley and the Archbishop go, I think it's time for you to go to France.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're going to France. People are going to France. Um, it's a lot. So at the coronation, mm. Richard, well, in the McKellen coronation, uh, it is a full Nuremberg rally.
0: Yeah. In some hall
2: yeah. somewhere. Well, there's two separate scenes.
1: Yeah. Okay. Where were we? Ah, yes, it's the coronation. Yes, the coronation in the
2: Ian McKellen film. Coronation stream The coronation is accompanied by the Eurovision theme.
1: Is it actually? Which I think is
2: very, very funny. Yes, that
1: is so funny. I didn't know that. (laughs) Is Eurovision fascist? Wait, when did Eurovision start? The 60s. Uh, After World War Two, like in the 50s. Thank God, Conrad Adenauer sings us sweet songs of love. (laughs) Colin Adelaar sings Lily Marlene while everybody tries horribly to get him off stage. Oh my god. <laughs> um, okay. So it's the coronation, and at the coronation, Buckingham, who has been promised um, uh, who has been promised uh, some yeah, lands, the Earldom the, of Hereford.
0: It's Herefordshire. I don't know why he wants it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, it's anyway, his he's like,
0: county. Uh,
1: so he's like, hey, Richard, no you said you were going to give this to, me. to yeah. me. Can I I'm have it old. now? Can I have it now? And Richard's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What time is it, though? Yeah, but can I have the county? What time is it? Well, I, I, I don't know. It's like 10 o'clock. Well, I thought it was shut the fuck up o'clock. I'm not giving you anything today. <laughs> uh, cool. That is a paraphrase, but it is essentially, essentially like, the tone of it's the It's time
0: for you to shut the fuck up.
1: Uh, One of my favorite Richard lines is after Buckingham's like, come on, give it to me. And Richard says, I am not in the giving vein today. Yeah, that's a good line. And then Buckingham's like, oh, fuck, this man will betray me as soon as he can, which is like right now. Yeah, because then it's like, like, Uh, I can't give you my
0: stuff. The Archbishop has gone to France.
1: Yeah. So Buckingham says, I will start a revolt in favor of Henry Tudor because that's the only thing I am going to
2: become the joker
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh and the main reason and and the other reason that buckingham has a moral change is that richard has suggested to him that uh they should just kill the princes. they shouldn't just stick them in the tower and keep them away but well fed he says we're going to kill them and so uh richard says okay well i guess buckingham's out and so he finds a, a loyal gentleman called Sir James Tyrrell, who in um, the McKellen one is he, Richard's murderer throughout the the uh, plot and is his, I don't know, Hitler didn't have, like, a trusted assassin. Well, that was Ernst I guess Stram he's, like, Hitler. Man, right. Exactly. Mm. Like, I guess he's supposed to be Ernst Lorm, but, like, this isn't Ernst who sticks who stuck with Hitler until the bunker, which is kind of the opposite of what Ernst Lorm was always going to do, <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. So Richard is like, okay. Here's how I solidify my reign because Richmond is going to take the throne. I need to marry my niece. Uh, yes. Which is gross. I'm very uh, medieval.
2: Richard III, twinned with Joao the Sixth. Even. Uh. Did we lose Margaret? Think... Oh no. Uh,
1: no. She's back. Richard III twinned with who? Zhao with Zhao the sixth. Oh my God, no! Uh, this has very little historical basis, but it was rumored at the time. This is actually the was... one
2: scene that I have identical notes for in both movies. It is just the word were... avuncular with spaces between letters. <laughs> oh my
1: God, no! Um so he's like about okay, five po- people in the world
2: will get that joke
1: so he poisons. he has his wife killed after she's had some scenes where she commiserates with some of with the other women about like yep richard's the worst but i'm a woman so i couldn't resist him so maybe i'll take back the feminism card but um anyway so she's dead now off stage <laughs> yeah. we don't really know what killed her it's never really stated historically mckellen uh, play is kind of why Richard- she
0: killed herself
1: Yeah, or the spider killed her. It's kind of unclear. Um, Historically, they had a kid named, of course, Edward. They had a son named Edward because there were three names in this society. And uh, said son died young, and I believe Anne died young as well, probably of, like, tuberculosis. Uh, That's sad. Anyway, um, Elizabeth, Hmm. so this is where in the text... We have Queen Elizabeth and Queen Margaret meeting up, and Queen Elizabeth is like, "You were right, you were right. Oh, Richard's the worst. Now I want to know how to curse people." And she's like, "Here's how you do it: uh, be nicer to the people you lost, and meaner to the people who killed them." Bye. I'm going to France. <laughs> but in the in the
0: that's Maggie Smith.
1: Yeah, is, that's there too. It's Richard's mom. Uh, yeah, Maggie Maggie Smith is like, "I will never speak to you again. You disappointment. You monster." Which is nice. Um, so Richard is like, mm. okay, well that was rough, but hey, Queen Elizabeth, I need to marry my niece. Tell me how I can do it. And she's like, hmm. I don't know. You could be someone else who didn't kill her brothers. <laughs> that would help. And he's like, oh come on, you <laughs> That's know. A great he, actually, he's actually uh, this, the is, line, this play is an so insane at this point. There's an exchange where she's like, but thou didst kill my children, and he says. Uh, or uh, She's like, you killed my kids, and he's like, yeah, harp not on that string, madam, that is past. It's like, can we stop talking about killing the kids? <laughs> Very unimportant. But what have
2: you done for us lately?
1: Um, so basically, the butt of his argument is that uh, I loved her, source dude, just trust me. And anyway, this is how you'll get to keep your power. You'll be queen mother again. So really, that's a pretty good deal. And then she says, but thou didst kill my children. Cool. Yep. Avunculate.
2: <laughs> I mean, technically this is not avunculate because he is their
1: paternal uncle, but... It's very unpleasant.
3: Is yes. What it
2: is.
1: Uh, and I think this is sort of the point where we're really just meant to think, okay, Richard, Richard's not charming anymore. He's just a monster. Yeah. He deserves to go down. Which is uh, my favorite thing about this play is how Richard goes from charming to despite... To oh, despicable. We have officially lost him. RIP. We didn't Hair lies have, Jack pepperoni and cheese. We didn't even have the Eurovision theme. <laughs> I them can off. put it in. <laughs> I, are we keeping this in?
2: I don't know.
1: Uh, technical difficulties, listeners. Yeah. Yes, hello. So, so Queen... So, so Queen Elizabeth, the Queen, Queen Elizabeth is like, but thou didst kill my children. And Richard says, but in your daughter's womb I bury them, where in that nest of spicery they shall breed selves of themselves to your recomfiture, which is... Powerfully Vino's normal. <laughs> Just a normal guy. Um, no, um, so I once did this scene and like no one at the program I was doing it in where I was playing Richard, no one could ever look at me the same way after I said these lines. Because like if you're playing Richard, it is the worst thing you could say to another human being. It's also so much fucking fun. Now now you see I may have killed your children, but don't worry, I'm gonna make some grandchildren for you. Yeah. It's so like a uh, fucking family guy line. So Elizabeth is <laughs> yeah. like So Elizabeth is Seth like,
2: MacFarlane's Richard III.
1: Oh my god. It's just quite so funny. so she's like <laughs> I've yes, never I've never seen any of this, so I can't comment. So Elizabeth is like that's really cool. Uh, thank you for kissing me full on the lips. That is great. I will go talk to my daughter. And apparently, uh, so I always read this as her being like, what the fuck? I need to talk to Henry Tudor now. Uh, But apparently some critics were like, ah, what a weak and feeble woman she has been won to Richard's will. Like, are you insane?
2: There were, of course, three key institutions in England at this time. The King, Parliament, and Henry Tudor. (laughs) <laughs> yes and they balance each other out <laughs>
1: um the separation so, of powers yes. so now we're in act five uh buckingham gets executed and he's like oh i never should have helped that mean old richard uh yep. and then they meet up at bosworth field
2: and uh, in in the, the mccallum film plugs. um buckingham gets garroted.
1: Buckingham yeah, gets, he gets to rock to go on
2: the rotted. back of
0: a truck by Tarina. Yeah,
2: and this is significant. And uh, my notes just say, to be fair, it takes a lot of wires to strangle Jim Broadbent.
0: <laughs> that is so mean. He's got
1: several decks to go. That is so mean. I mean, if any of
0: you,
2: dear listeners, know what I look like.
1: <laughs> That's fair. That's so fair. Um, so we get to Bos- Bosworth Field. Or as Jack points out, Battersea Power Station,
0: yeah. which now on now at Dungeness for some reason.
1: Um, so why not? He, he goes to bed. Richard is like he's planning for battle, and he goes to sleep. And, and I have the- to say, go-
2: in the Olivier film, the first scene uh, that happens at Bosworth Field is incredibly strange. How does he do it again? Because not so much because of how it's performed, just because of the lighting. This is, of course, a 1955 film. It is very much in glorious Technicolor. Oh yes, it is. Uh, and uh, evening lighting, compi- combined with that system, makes for a very, very strange look. It's a lot of
0: yellow. Isn't it?
2: What yes. does it look?
1: Does it look like South Pacific or something? Yes. Yeah. If you're familiar, everything
0: in looks the, like South Pacific.
1: If you're familiar in the film of South Pacific, when there's an emotional moment or when someone is about to start singing, there's like colored lights, like it's on, like they might do on stage, and it does not work. My God,
0: they're trying um, so hard to South Pacific, but unfortunately, it is still a production of the
1: South yes. Pacific. Yes, that is the that is it that is that film's fatal problem. Uh, it's a good cast. <laughs> It's a good cast but they are still doing a very unpleasant show anyway uh, Richard has a dream where all the victims of the people who he, he has killed so Henry the sixth uh Henry the sixth's son his wife uh, the two princes Hastings Buckingham they all say you know we want you to lose and they all say despair and die and then all the ghosts come to Richmond and they say we're rooting for you buddy <laughs> it's great that's
3: yeah man um, i wonder
1: if this
0: bill shakespeare liked the cheaters
1: <laughs> i don't know and yeah. then and so then richard wakes up and he's like oh man oh my god judas
2: iscariot Is- hero of the imperium he
1: basically he ba- he wakes up and he's like oh my god no one loves me no one pities me well i guess i just have to kill everyone now and then Henry oh, no wakes up and all then days like, work and then Henry Tudor wakes up and he's like,
3: "Oh, I
1: had a good night's sleep." Yup, <laughs> i <I'm laughs> serious. A bit, is this a bit? Then
0: when Henry Tudor, who, um, in, as I should point out, in the McKellen, very sexy, um, yes,
1: marries, Marga. yeah, marries Princess, married, like, and then Mary's we have, then we get Elizabeth. confirmation
0: that they definitely consummated the marriage.
1: Yes, that is. Correct. I love I love our
0: need in 1995 to know that he definitely
1: consummated the marriage. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I think Princess the film is talked is about to f- a lot, but we never see her in the play, which is annoying. Mm. Mm.
2: I think the McCallum film is kind of an early example of HBO syndrome.
3: Just a little that bit. That scene, I think that scene,
2: indeed. yeah, that scene, and also Robert Downey Jr.'s death scene.
1: Yeah, Robert Downey down? Jr. Oh, yeah. which is
2: incredibly yeah. okay. disturbing.
1: So, side note
0: about the bit: what is she meant to be kissing? In what? In that scene, she's like balling her way down Robert Downey Jr's chest.
1: Oh, yeah, I didn't get that. But she's not,
0: like, going for anything.
1: I think the idea... No, she's is just kind of, she's kind of vibing. I think she's just kind of vibing. This is how sex okay. works, I assume. But it's okay <laughs> because then someone, the mechanism of this is extremely unclear to me, stabs him through the chest.
0: I think Tyrrell is meant um, under the bed. Yeah, from below. is meant to be under the, the bed because yeah, be so, we I see him going that...
1: there. I was not aware that Sir Ian McKellen's t likes to watch, but anyway, that's cool. It's Adrian um, Dunbar.
0: He's about. He's all about Nick and Ben Yorkists. Cool.
1: Um, <laughs> so there's the battle. Um, you may have heard a line from the battle. It is a horse, a horse, my kingdom for a horse.
2: Or as Monty Python by. put it, a shero, a shero, my dinkum for a chiro.
1: It's Yeah, it's very famous. It's endlessly parodied. It's very good in context, though.
0: I do think the McKellen play does this very excellently because it's just kind of goes. <laughs> yes,
1: it's, are you? I have sure like, all
2: the ways I expected them to deliver that line. Are you line, sure it's excellent? That was not it. No, are you I sure think it's how they do the whole or sequence you, is good. Or do you think
1: it's just kind of twee. Because I think it's a little twee. I think it works for the context of, of how they've
0: done the battle, which is that instead of having the armies clash, it's very much that before they clash, Stanley's the intervention decides because he has the Aria bomb the fuck out of Richard's army. So Richard is just fleeing to save his own skin. And he gets stuck. And While his car is wheel spinning because it's 1930 and they haven't been in four-wheel drive yet, he's screaming (laughs) a horse, a horse, my kingdom for a horse, which makes sense in the context, I
3: think. I Um, like it. And then,
0: of course,
2: um, eventually, uh, Henry Tudor catches up with him and uh, throws him off the side of the power station. it's at not throwing so point... he
0: jumps, he shoots him off it.
2: Oh right, yeah. At which point we have um I believe Al Jolson singing I'm sitting on top of the world.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's a reference
0: to White Heat. That's Tui. Yeah, that's a reference to White Heat. I do like his delivery of if not to heaven, then hand in hand to hell. Yeah, and then so Henry that's looks not... Henry looks far too excited. the machine gun.
1: Yeah, so that's not his last line. I do not get that. What uh, is his last I've, line? Uh, his last line is, I believe, a repetition of a horse, a horse, my kingdom for a horse. Um, but he might, you know, grunt something as he's fighting Richmond for the last time. In, I really like the way Olivier does the final fight, which is um, Richard just won't stay down, and they have to mm. finally just... Beat him down, and then yeah. he's finally dead. And they I grab the, the battle crown. I think in
2: is actually one of the better done parts of the Olivier. Movie. I would
1: agree. I would agree. Um, it's it's and, actually, aside from that
2: evening scene, it is actually very visually impressive.
1: Um, and so then Henry for Tudor the time, is anyway. crowned as Hen- King Henry the Seventh. There's obviously
2: Henry. fewer tanks in that one. <laughs> yeah, yes.
0: that's a disappointing.
1: Um, Henry Tudor is crowned. I wasn't.
2: I was half expecting that McKellen would go a tank, a tank, my kingdom for a tank.
1: Oh my god. He is very free with changing dialogue that he thinks isn't modern enough. Yeah, which I'm not yeah. a huge fan. That's of. probably why he's mean, talking to the think... horse thing.
3: Um,
1: I will my the th- I don't understand how he's like he modernizes it so like hath becomes has and he's like uh, contracting things all the time and then he lets Buckingham belt out Missemeth good like <laughs> Missemeth is archaic even in Shakespeare's day. It's a <laughs> it's a clumsy contraction for iambic purposes. Like, you We've didn't have Jim this. Broadman say, I think it good. Like, really? Like, Ian, come on. Be consistent. I right? think it's also
0: part of people expecting Shakespearean language.
2: Yeah, yeah, but he
1: doesn't give it. Uh, anyway.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is... I did find it
2: slightly stilted at the very beginning where he takes the mic and just says the winter of discontent
1: speech into it. Now is the winter of our discontent. It's very good, though. Um... It oh, is the...
2: as Shakespeare, but it is very strange as, like, a 1930s public oration.
1: Yeah, well, I'll give I you think that. It, I mean, have you read oh, we didn't talk At the about same about time, he public absolutely
2: could not have changed it. Jesus Christ.
1: Oh, well, actually, he does change it. He puts in some stuff from Henry VI in there, but that's not that uncommon. Yeah, well... Um, oh, um... The, uh, one of my favorite things about that is the, like, 30s lounge singer at the beginning. I mean, yes! We're, we're at the yeah, end, but now we're at that good, beginning. Yeah. Uh, there's a 30s lounge singer singing a Christopher Marlowe poem. Cause apparently that's a they kid try... Marlowe poem? Oh, is yeah. it? Yeah, come live with me and be my Oh, love. really?
2: I just thought it sounded like a song from the time.
1: Um. Well, it is a song from the time. I'm sure people set it to music then. But it's a Marlowe poem, and then the second half is a reply that i believe sir walter raleigh wrote um the, sh- that the is very reply clever. to the shepherd uh, apparently they tried all the sonnets and this was the only thing they could think of for like tin pan that really worked for tin pan alley and if yeah. you'll notice the band leaders uh, initials are ws very good that's quite good
3: um, i do like so that I, opening scene so yeah I it's think, very good after
2: so, uh after Richard drives a tank directly through the fucking wall, that's so that must have been really cool in the cinema.
1: So yeah. here's what I will say uh, about it. And the I McKellen's should also Richard.
2: mention, just while we're talking about the opening of the McKellen film, the main title of of this movie is completely insane because it is it's, just it's, full nineties action movie bang, titles. Bag. It is basically like that could have been the opening to like the usual suspects or something. It really yeah. could
1: have. It's Die shit. Yeah. Um. So. With so yeah, that in I mean, mind... he shoots the
2: pistol, and with every shot, a new letter appears on set on on screen,
1: uh, and they're all like big red block letters. With all of this in mind, I will say this: I really like Ian McKellen's Richard the Third, but I think the play does things that this p- production does not do. Understandable. And that's a shame and that's a shame. I would also say it excuse me. It feels like a riff on fascism from a country that did not experience fascism. And obviously it is a good thing that England did not experience fascism, but um, the aesthetic one sometimes that deserves it. No. <laughs> no, no one deserves no. that. Um, but it, I, it sometimes it feels like the aesthetic runs away with the plot a little bit. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. But I think uh, Which it's... is okay, because it's only an hour 45. But it's Jesus, Richard can... III is an hour 45 is fucking insane. Like, sorry, yeah. it just is This is the second longest play in the canon after Hamlet. Yeah. I'm shit, I'm not shitting you. Like, it's that long. You can, obviously you cut a lot. There are some things I'm like, yeah, you can cut the citizens. Uh, but there are some things like, you know, you have more time. I, I have You have my goodwill for like another 20, 30 minutes. You could do more, Ian. Please, it's so good. Yeah, I think also. I mean, I think making it snappier.
0: I also Sometimes think. I I also feel like 1995
2: settings. was about peak. Anything above an hour thirty, an hour forty-five is an arthouse film. Yeah, vibes. which is funny for an um,
1: independently produced Shakespeare adaptation, but, but it was very very yeah, but it has Ian McKellen in it though. Hmm. It was popular in Britain at the time. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a it's a good movie. I would show it to someone as an introduction to Richard III. I just, well, I mean, this is going to be my sort of. standard. Indeed, you did. Yes, this is going to be my like standard rant, which is I don't. There's no such thing as an definitive production of any play, um, and Ian McKellen's Richard is certainly not a definitive Richard. It's a no. good Richard, but uh, the play has a lot of things that he just doesn't do. And the, honestly doesn't mm-hmm. even seem to understand. There's
0: very little nuance to That's McKellen's the thing. Richard. He just bludgeons yeah. his way to the top yeah. and then bludgeons yeah.
3: his way to fantasy power. I, I think don't... it
2: is interesting um, to compare and contrast this play with uh, with Ian McKellen's Macbeth.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, it's interesting. I think his Macbeth should be, a, or his Richard should be a little bit more like his Macbeth because I think Well, the thing about Richard that interests me so much, and I love this play, I love the character, uh, is the first, like, three, four acts, he's he's captivating, he's funny, he's fascinating, you're rooting for him, and then when he gets what he wants, something inside of him wasn't there, and he doesn't know what he can do as king, and there's nothing for him to do, and he starts becoming crueler and crueler and less and less interesting, and that's how you get to start rooting at least a little bit for someone as frankly dull as Harry Tudor.
3: Hmm. Yeah,
1: and the McKellen, and, McKellen Richard is already a bastard. Yeah. And I don't I don't get any of the any of the sort of the decline in McKellen's Richard. Hmm, he yeah. just sort of does like vague Hitler shtick, like he's eating chocolates and watching newsreels, which were I also will say Hitler that
2: um, the uh, the meal that um, King, King Henry, is it, is eating when uh, Richard barges in and kills him Yeah, is very much the sort of meal that you might see posted on Twitter by someone with a marble statue avatar today.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and a caption yeah, like, is, I'm glad European, I was raised on traditional it?
2: European cooking. Oh
1: my god. It boils Please. potatoes and ham. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh B- potatoes are, of course, not a European food. No, and they were absolutely not available to <laughs> to to the Yorkist elite or the Lancastrian elite. Yes, no. that would be correct. Um, but yeah, I, so I really like Richard as done by Ian McCallan. I even really like Olivier's Richard. It's just very stately um, mm. in a way that people definitely might find off-putting today, and that's fair, but you should watch it. It's it's a lot of fun. I think,
0: I mean, the thing is, is that I think I would like a staging of Richard III set in the 30s, but it's like post-Bolshevik. So the Yorkists are just thugs in suits. Because mm-hmm. that's essentially the, what they were.
1: The play I, I, as its own thing has the problem of making everyone... So kind of like Richard III's Death of Stalin. Yeah. I would like that. One of the things that the play does, and if you take the play in isolation, is weird. Is everyone except for Richard is a goodie, basically. And if you remember that they were fighting a bloody, vicious civil war in Mm -hmm. which they killed kids and and disobeyed their liege lord constantly, they are not goodies. Richard is just the worst of the baddies. Um, And it's a shame that they kind of neuter some of the nuance in... uh, but well, I think it's
0: also a part... And of that's the unaffordable. Cheetah, it's also part of the Cheetah narrative of... Present, Absolutely of, you it know, is. When you're uniting Lancaster and York with the marriage of Elizabeth and Henry, you need mm-hmm. to present the one you got rid of as the bad apple and the rest as being okay. Yeah.
1: And, and, and basically worked. they square I mean, you say the circle what you about it, but
0: it worked.
1: Yeah, and they basically square the circle with that by saying, well, there were some good Lancastrians and some good Yorks, but mostly the Lancasters were good. But also boy, Richard II met getting killed was sad. Uh, I don't know. Um, I do like this play. I do like it a lot. It's, it seems like perhaps the
0: intellectual origin of a mustache twirling villain. I think that is
1: absolutely
0: true. <laughs> I just think that the way that Richard is written, you know, the looks, the, the, the sort of straight audience sentences and the yeah, the ha 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 lines and the. Even the stuff like the off with his head and shit. It's, yeah. And it maybe not with Shakespeare, at least with the George and foundational and early Victorian aspects of it. Mm-hmm. This laid the foundations no. of what a mustache twirling villain is like.
1: I absolutely think Panto has a lot um, to owe to Richard. Uh, at the, at like, the way he's been done, anyway. Well, the origins of pantomime are at a similar point.
3: That's At least true. the
0: codification of pantomime is sort of post-restoration, so that's right, isn't it? Mm, I think so. So um, it's not surprising, considering that, let's face it, the guys who were doing pantomime in that period were probably doing it to make out-of-season money so they could go and do Shakespeare.
1: Oh, almost certainly.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, but I, I think, for, I mean, Richard III, I mean, does have sort of its inherent problem, which is that this guy is evil because he isn't like us. But there's a real. But um, you have people like, uh, you know, bear with me. Sigmund Freud, being like, well, you know, part of why Shakespeare makes him relatable, how he's relatable in Shakespeare's telling, is all of us kind of have something we can a little bit relate to. I mean, we're not going to kill our family, and boy, does he like killing his family.
2: Yes. Um, there's not. There was nothing in life that Shakespeare's Richard the loved quite so much as killing his family. But
1: we all, we all sort of have things that make us feel like we are not shaped for sportive tricks, that kind of thing. And I think that's interesting. I, I think that's sort of captivating. Uh, even if, you know, we, we don't intend to marry our nieces anytime soon. We all root for the underdog. Well, speak for yourself. Speak for <laughs> you. I don't have any nieces, so I'm scot to Me neither. I'm nope. an only child. <laughs> I mean,
0: uh, the thing is, is that there is an essential part of the internal English character that will always root for the underdog because we're a miserable little island on the edge of Europe. It's true. We're full of underdogs. And that's kind of what Richard is. I mean, I think, and, I think being
2: he... English is... Confusing yourself into thinking you are still the underdog.
0: Yeah, Englishman's a core part of Englishman's is forgetting the Empire ever existed, yeah. while also not stopping
1: talking about it. It occurs to me that the divide between likable Richard and dislikable Richard is precisely when he stops being the underdog, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That's that's the that I makes think sense. That's yeah. An extremely deliberate and then, choice. And so then Henry Tudor becomes the underdog and then you kinda of root for him, as boring as he is. But he is very handsome in the Ian McKellen yeah, so yeah. I can't remember who he is, but he's very is attractive.
0: Is it Dominic West? I Dominic think. West. Yes, yeah. it is. He's very attractive. And he's a Navy is Do- man. Is Dominic West still. That's the most attractive man, as we know. <laughs> Except, of course, Air Force men, you know, looking at you, Edward Harding. Is Dominic West um, still attractive? I
1: think it's so. He's more attractive without a beard, but yes. Um, So, I don't know. How would we. Do we do like a? We don't do ratings on this show, but maybe we should. Do you have tripnips? <laughs> we do not have tripnits. What is the Shakespearean equivalent of? I don't know. A Garrick. <laughs> That's okay. How many yeah. Garricks? How many Dave? How, how fuck is
2: it, the vibe? How
0: many Garrick theaters are getting burned down for this play? That's so good. Let's do that. How yeah, many Garricks? The Garrick to got burned. Got like burned down twice. Like they like, say.
1: Yeah, how many how many Garricks would you give this play? How many Garricks would the... I burn down for this play? <clears throat> Fair enough. Uh, so are we I...
0: are we rating quality? Just it's a negative quality assessment. Yeah. How okay. Pers-
1: so the fewer like, Garricks, like, um, the better. Yeah. Yeah, like um, uh, *Taming of the Shrew* is like at, like I want to say eight. Like it could be a little. I want to Garricks were burning down every century, but the Garrick Take me this the You're burning down the Covent Garden opera. Veritas. And possibly This start is starting to audience.
2: remind me of. Uh, do you know the uh, the unit of measurement of the Helen?
3: How I many
2: how many fleets? Which is are uh, you the amount story? of the amount of beauty required to uh, burn down uh, to to launch a single ship? Oh, that's a milli Helen.
0: That's a bit
3: Helen. <laughs>
0: uh, I love
2: it.
3: Yeah, I think uh, so. I so. I guess the Garrick think,
2: is the amount of public outrage needed to yeah, burn down a is, theater.
0: This is a Garrick, or maybe a demi Garrick. Yeah,
3: because
0: um, that's the cursed line about fucking your niece. Yeah,
1: but it's <laughs> meant to be bad. Like, like this is a moral moment. Yeah, it's economically bad.
0: Yeah, I feel like it might get a still get. A, it get a demi Garrick for not being. It's still very cursed.
1: I'm going to yeah. say four, maybe. What for? What do we dislike? Uh, I I will give the McKellen one like maybe like four honestly because we have to watch Robert Downey Jr. do Shakespeare. He's just not good at it. I give and it two. So, it's such
2: a random person to see in this movie. I give it two. McKellen McKellen mustache.
1: was like M- McKellen on his website where he has the um the script of the film. He's like we saw Robert Downey Jr. in Chaplin. We loved him, and I'm like really but he's not good in that that's you not know, a good movie yeah.
0: i think i just want to speak to the costumes because here's the fun part did you something i realized the uniforms richest soldiers are wear, wearing
3: is yeah, the do. same
0: one as the oceana soldiers in the 1984 reduction oh uh. it's the same helmets same uniform huh. cut and the same uniform color I'm not surprised by that somehow. Roll. I think that was done deliberately. I'm just yeah, no doubt. I'm no just doubt.
1: imagining Ian McKellen ripping out the the calendar and it says 1984 on <laughs> it. <laughs> and it turns around it's not, it's no longer Ian McKellen, it's been John
0: Hurt this whole time. It's ja- oh January
2: 1483,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 1483
0: <laughs> That's
2: very good. And the, the wife from the table
0: says Honey, it's time to kill your nephews again. (laughs) Oh no! But yeah, I give it to Garrix. I think Robert Downey Jr. is a waste of space and I think it needed to do a bit more table setting about what was going on. Because you are kind of thrown into it and you don't know who these characters are, presumably because you know who they are if you've
1: watched all the other Henrys. Mm. Yeah, like here's my question. If Richard III is fascism, what is Protestantism? Bolshevism. I don't think that works. But yeah. I don't know. No, I
2: think you can actually see a lot of similarities between um, the, the divisions of the Reformation and the divisions of the sort of post-1917 left. Maybe. Yeah. I
0: That's mean, pretty it's quite, funny. I mean, it's quite... Listen, the other illusion is that Richmond's forces land with lend lease equipment. Like, apart from the T-55, which are obviously a, um, a pound a, a pound each in 1993, because you know these the Germans didn't yeah. either. They're, dra- they're driving around in M3 half tracks and scout cuts, which are U.S. Army surplus, and they're wearing battle dress dyed blue.
1: Does America exist in this world? We don't. Know. Presumably, I mean, since...
0: and that banning has to have come from somewhere.
2: And also, yeah. Lord and Rivers Junior.
0: Lord Rivers flew in by Pan Am. If you notice.
1: And, and he was hitting. He on flies the into
0: a, to REF That's Shoreham Airfield, by the way. One of the oh yeah, ones. that's that's one
2: of the things at the beginning of the movie where there's no dialogue. Yeah, he flies into Shoreham Airfield,
0: and he's like, "Whoa, this is pretty cool." Yeah, I think I. You're right that the Richard <laughs> the, the they commit richness, side commit
2: fratricide now.
0: Yeah, they commit fratricide now. The Richard the Third. Josh Richard the yeah. Third. Yeah, it's um. It's a vibe. It's a good vibe. Yeah. It's a good you know,
1: vibe, but sometimes it's not much more than the vibe. Yeah. It's
0: very exactly. much. Um. Edward, it's very much. Ian McKellen read a book about Edward the Eighth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: But
0: See, also, I wanted. I mean, it, it, I
1: mean it, amusingly, Edward the Eighth is most like Edward the Fourth in this. Yeah. But... I mean, the thing is, is it he dramatically wasn't smart enough? Edward the Eighth was not smart enough to be a fascist dictator. Yeah. No. He was dumb enough to be a fascist, but he wasn't so Which, enough to be fair, he has in thing. common
2: with about half of the
0: leading Japanese fascists. Oof. It's
2: difficult to Laura. describe.
0: I mean, subcontent as I've always said about Japanese fascism, it's difficult to judge. If, if, who is if a Donald fascist. Trump
2: resembles any one interwar fascist leader, it is probably Conway.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the thing about Japanese fascism is it's difficult to work out who's a fascist and who simply doesn't want to get stabbed to death by a fascist. Yeah, yeah, that's just the paradigm. Yeah. Is you're either fascist or you act fascist, so a nineteen year old officer cadet doesn't murder you. Yeah, Richard III, Welcome but it's set to,
1: in imperial uh... Japan. When I feel like that would
0: be good. That could work. But... Honestly, it might work better yeah. than fascist. Or, or actually, there the in China. Births, yeah. Actually, here would be a weird one. Would be Richard III. I mean, Richard III, but it's just a it's just the Wall Street. Come, it's a big. U.S. Business.
2: Oh, I believe you were describing uh, the HBO series Succession. <laughs> yes, that's correct.
1: <coughs> See, the production the production I always wanted to do is make it, like, post Civil War, like American Civil War. Yeah, do it yeah. Reconstruction. Um, because that's the last, because it's after a great Civil War that's uh, out of memory. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think that would work, maybe. Also, so why'd just- you make the Yorkists
0: speak? The uh, Confederates,
1: not... yeah, that's where it falls flat, isn't it? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I think. Well, this is where we bit, need. Yeah. You, know, you can make you can make Edward the Fourth Andrew Johnson. Wall. No, actually you no, you make Edward the Fourth Lincoln. You make Richard Andrew Johnson.
3: Oh god, you oh, make,
0: fuck. You make Richard. I don't fucking know. Frederick Douglass.
1: That would be funny. That would be funny. I agree. <laughs> but Frederick Douglass just
0: straight out stabbing
1: Andrew Johnson. Oh, don't give him idea. Well, he would have. Go back in time, I mean, give Frederick a and, and, and also
2: wanting to marry Andrew Johnson's child.
1: <laughs> okay, that's a little no. cursed. Yes. Uh, we've gotten, a we've little. gotten far off the mark, I think. We sure have. So well, did we settle on a number of
0: Garricks? I think two. I would say two as well. Yeah, sure, for the so first yeah, like, yeah, that. time. A, that's a 1750 threat right? <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So not, um, not
1: not an overthrow the Third French Republic style riot. We yeah. have
2: two Garricks for this one. We have one. to wait for
1: Coriolanus for that.
2: Uh, do
1: we want to go down to a one for Macbeth? Macbeth deserves a one. That play is really good. I don't yeah. like Liver of Blaspheming Jew, which is one of the witch's ingredients. But yes. like, uh, I think that's what it is. I think that's the one.
2: Also, what is that extremely strange line Banquo says?
1: You seem to be women, but your beard. That no, one? not that one. Um,
2: fuck, it's just after that.
1: Like the thing. That, oh, the insane route? Yes, yes, that's the one. <laughs> What's <laughs> you eating there, Banquo? Eating <laughs> on the insane route that takes the reason prisoner? That's a weird route. <laughs> yeah, Can I okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Macbeth is like, come on, man, you don't share. Come on.
2: So, um, so yeah, one for Macbeth, and then what are we say, an Eight for the Taming of the show. I
1: think that, it could the, be worse. The eight. Yeah.
2: It's Tame not the a good blame the
0: Gordon one. on any level. The Taming of the show. The army has come out and opened fire. The the the, <laughs> the work. The clerks in the Bank of England are firing pistols out the windows. Uh, local Catholics have been stabbed to death in the street.
1: Oh God! Oh fuck! Oh shit!
0: <laughs> it's a Gordon right. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, I, I feel the like classifying reason... Shakespeare plays by how much the populace of London in 1750s would have got fucked off by it.
1: I think uh, the only reason why uh, *Taming of the Shrew* is that low is because I know people try to redeem it, and there's like some mildly funny bits in it, like maybe. I mean, the way Douglas Fairbanks dresses in it is. Yeah, like there's a couple of things that are like that's funny, like the like, like the the the. Uh, His wedding outfit is funny. Um, I like, I like Bianca and the Lucio subplot is like pardonable. Like it's not great, but like, it's not actively offensive. Yeah.
2: As opposed to the Petruchio subplot.
1: Yeah. I think that's fair. Thank you for, thank you for letting us shamelessly rip off trip nips from your other podcast, which you could plug if you like. Oh yeah. um, Um, Am I plugging? Can I plug all my things? Yeah,
0: go ahead, buddy. Go hog, yeah. Uh, So, I do a podcast called I Quit Star Trek with my dear friend Olivia. Once a week, we talk about absolutely terrible episodes of Star Trek. Margot has been a guest. We talked about. I
1: have. We talked about the time they did
0: the Tame of the in Space. It sucked.
1: It was very um, bad, but it has a good space
0: battle. So doesn't have a good say. space battle, but, um, who can who say, it say, it say it's bad? Bad. We've, had, um, yeah. we've had some great guests. Yeah. Normally, just random Star Trekies, but also, you know, um, actors, people who've ridden on Star Trek, um, award-winning comedian and parliamentary candidate for Thanet South, Al Murray. Uh,
1: I like how easily you said that. Yeah, I say, I've learned it by rote.
2: Um, <laughs> he said it a lot.
1: I do a a and, and parliamentary candidate for South L. Murray? Yep, that's correct. Uh,
0: but I also I do some writing. Um, by the book, I I wrote a short story about C.L.R. James. It's in an anthology was called Shot Guillotines. It's pretty good. Um, I write other things. My medium is at Conker J. I put things on there. I did a pod- Oh, um, I did a podcast about if you want to hear me talk sense about sensible shit. Um, I did a podcast on "We Have Ways of Making You Talk" about Black British service during the Second World War.
1: That one was that, really good. That I was
0: fun. Um, donate to food banks, um, and I don't know, eat your greens.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Eat your Always greens. Always a good
0: thing. Eat your greens.
1: Um, well, yeah. I'm I'm Marco. You can find me on Twitter at. At be- Beata Beatrix 13. Oh shit, yeah,
0: you can find me on Twitter at Bad Socialism. Yeah, I should have started.
1: Yeah, find find Jack on Twitter yeah. at Bad Socialism. Jack
2: differs from the rest of us in having a, a, a Twitter username
0: that can actually be pronounced. Now, it, it, I got that Twitter username in 2013, and I didn't use it for there seven are, there years. Was,
1: there are like dirtbag left people who would pay you like good money for that name now.
0: Uh, you know what? I won't do it till they have no, social democracy's do right.
1: <laughs> don't do it. Good for you. I, I'll
0: only give it to them if they if they publicly make a video stating how great social
1: democracy is. Comrade Clem, but he's Richard III. I don't know. No. Okay. No, he's a good guy. Richard III, but it's Hugh Gateskill.
2: <laughs> Herbert Morrison.
1: Yeah, Herbert Morrison would be funny. I like that. Actually, this shouldn't it's go the in the podcast. One. This shouldn't go in the podcast. <laughs>
2: So, anyway. uh, yeah, I am uh, at Rail Tragedy.
1: Tragic, truly. And uh, I you, also I, write,
2: but I never finish anything, so...
1: Richard III in the In McKellen adaptation, a play featuring Rail Tragedies. Indeed. Indeed. A play
0: featuring more than one train.
1: Choo-choo. And a lot Choo-choo. of tanks.
0: Right.
2: One of the few Shakespeare adaptations to feature Rail heavily. I think the
0: Patrick Stewart McBeth has some. But he also has a moustache. So not. We don't dig that.
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah, Ian McKellen
2: that, is a very 1930s looking man.
1: He really <laughs> what, is because he,
2: he's he's thin and weedy, and he looks like Ill, he, he looks like
1: a starving orphan.
2: Yeah, it's because he, he looks, has. Really he looks, bat.
1: from certain angles. He looks kind of like George Orwell. It's because he has terrible teeth. Also, or that. maybe that was makeup. I don't know.
2: We'll never know. I mean, he is he is a boomer from the north of England, so he probably... Okay,
1: boomer. Let's not well, do that. Let's <laughs> <that's> not. <laughs> okay. Uh, we should have cut this off by now. All right. Goodbye, everyone. See you next time. Not sure what we'll be doing or when but... we'll be posting. No,
2: it is a mystery. Roll a D10. See what happens. We to have decided that... to adopt the recording schedule of we will release an episode when you least expect it.
3: 2
0: a.m. on a Sunday morning. That is right.
1: (laughs) Well, Uh, until then, y'all, we'll we'll see you around. Yes. Say hi to uh, us. Don't kill your nephews.
2: Don't don't kill your nephews nephews. and try and
1: fuck their sister. Don't do it, guys. No. That's
2: that's right. Goodbye.
3: Bye. Bye. Bye.